did you get your tickets from us legit or were you hitting a scalper up in the parking lot? Oh my God, I'm selling my tickets out in the parking lot. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm Dennis. And I'm Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or possibly two of our favorite craft beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint and listen in for the next half an hour to an hour. Well, we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And of course, as always, if you want to be part of this conversation, you can drop a line or a comment and swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Yeah, so we'd love to, to have you come join us uh, and be part of the conversation. So, Dennis, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. Long time no talk, Robert. I'm, I'm actually getting um, caught up with the World, uh, the Euro Cup, and um, of course the uh, U.S. Open is on now too. So I'm trying to, you know, keep an eye on both those. I'm in a pool for the U.S. Open, and okay. of course the Euro, one of your favorite sports. It's always a good. Good soccer or good football, depending on what side of the pond you're on. Yeah, and you might want to throw some, you know, work in there a little bit from time to time as well. And absolutely, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> and and somehow you managed to, to shoehorn uh, the podcast in. But you yeah, know, the the Euro is one of my favorite times that comes up every four years, or if you want to say every two years, the the World Cup in there as well. So, you know, big, you know, big a lot of people fan. like. You know what? I I guess I prefer the World Cup because. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, countries from the globe, but a lot of people prefer the Euro because it's just those, I mean, you haven't qualified just because you're uh, of a geograph particular geographic locale. It's pretty, like all the teams in the Euro could be competitive, correct? I, I think you're right. And I, I get exactly what you're saying, that when you look at the two continental tournaments that are actually both going on right now. And we, we hear all about the Euro uh, and the Euro is what's being covered on the, the major television channels here where we are, but there's also the Copa America and South America. And again, where all of those teams could be competitive on the world stage. Right. And so you, you do see a, a higher talent pool, if you like, right. kind of like on this podcast where we're a bit of a higher talent pool. And at least I like to believe so anyways if you're a big uh, soccer fan of course it's a great time because it's now the Euros being a play a year late because of COVID so we'll actually have the World Cup next year which exactly. the Euro and World Cup have never been back to back right there's always a two year gap between those so. exactly and so you know for for gentlemen like myself you know where kind of my two teams are you know among the favorites to win the Euro championship this year and my two teams didn't make the Euro Championship this year. Right? I wasn't going to bring that up, but now that you you have, uh, where Ireland and and Northern Ireland, there, my friend, didn't make it. Didn't I? I thought one of them might squeeze in, but none of them, none of them were able to make it this year. Yeah, where I, I have France, who you know are among the favorites and the defending world champions right. that are there, and Belgium, the number one seeded team in the world. That's right. right. That's those, right. those are my two teams. So, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to watching this play out. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a busy day for me. Uh, France is playing Hungary at nine o'clock in the morning, followed at noon by Portugal and Germany. And you know, Portugal is yeah. also a big team in our house because right, right, of course, my, my wife's family is Portuguese, right? So, right. 
and my my wife's family is English, so I guess we'll default to the English now. But I wanted to talk about the fact that, yeah, it's just it's just it doesn't matter what team is playing. It just seems to be always a good. It's always a pretty good match to watch. It's always a good match to watch. So even for the casual observer, right. uh, now is the time to watch and and get hooked on the the beautiful game. And 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 the great thing is, of course, we know that uh, Canada has just moved on as well to the final qualifying round for. World Cup 2022, and of course they haven't been in since 1986. So it'd be nice if they could gain one of those spots for next year. But we'll see how that plays out. I b- believe beginning in September. Yes, beginning September, and, and again, very exciting times for Canadian football for Canadian Absolutely. soccer because this is probably the best talent pool we have ever had. Right, right. That's what, uh, and a really yeah. good coach, a good English coach, right? Yeah, yeah, and as well, don't forget if you're a basketball fan too, they're uh, Canada's in training camp right now. I have no clue. Uh, (laughs) One of the last spots for the Olympics. There's one more spot in this particular um, area playing out of Victoria in late June, early July for the last spot for the Olympics. So there's a whole bunch of qualifyings all over the world, and one team from each qualifying area. We'll go on for the last uh, for a couple of spots in the Olympic Games, so that's exciting too. So that that is exciting. Like I said, I really have no clue. Basketball is not my sport and and doesn't hold too much of an attraction for me. But I can understand getting excited for your sport and getting excited for your team. Absolutely, and especially to represent your country, right? Whatever whatever team it is, it's always exciting for the Olympics to have a team to cheer for. Yeah. So between all of the sports that have been going on in the the last couple of weeks plus work and I know you've been busy with some family things we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute but it's been a busy busy week it's kind of was our last academic week for us uh so buddy I'm thirsty yes right and this this is the pints and pews podcast it's not uh, you know it's not the sports podcast right so what have what have you got on tap for yourself today there Dennis Ooh. That's not champagne. <laughs> Why does it? Maybe you can speak to that because Robert, I have a beautiful wheat beer here from Germany, Hackershore Weissbier. Why the popping sound? Like a that, champagne. It does sound like I, I popped a, a champagne cork, but it obviously it's just a beer bottle. Right. So, well, for, for, for the benefit of those that are listening in and don't see the beer bottle that you're waving in front of the camera, right. uh, the Hacker Pashore wheat beer comes in the, the swing top bottle. So it's got the porcelain stopper on the the metal. Uh, right. Much like a Grosch bottle. I don't know if people have more access to the Grosch beer. Yeah. Uh, and so really what that popping sound is, is you're just releasing the, the built up pressure that's inside the bottle from the carbonation even though i know but why 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 couldn't it be put put in a regular like beer cap but probably could and i wouldn't be surprised if in germany you do find it with the the regular crown on top now you're not a big wheat beer person no i've never developed a taste for the wheat beer uh and when i was living in bavaria that was always one of the big things they kept saying the wheat beer the wheat beer the wheat beer you know vice beer vice beer vice beer and i never could get into the taste of the wheat beer yeah i'm not a big now now i won't drink like if i was going to have a few beers it wouldn't be all wheat beer you can have one or two and i don't like the citrusy one sometimes a lot of these beers especially here in north american stuff they put a citrusly no just keep it a straight wheat beer 
I developed a, a flair for the wheat beers in, in Australia, the Redback. They made a good wheat beer out of Australia, and that's why I started to drink. But it was only a couple of years ago my neighbor introduced me into this uh, this particular one, which obviously you can get at the LCBO. But I, I really like it. It's 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 a it's a nice wheat beer without the orangey citrusy flavors to it. Yeah, and it's like again, it's been so long since I had one. I can't remember for me if it was just because <laughs> I found them a little bit too heavy. Too heavy, yeah. Uh, on the palate, uh, I just never got into them. Uh, there was the Hacker Peshore Weiss beer. There was also the Schneider Weiss, which was the the big one as well. Okay. Uh, in Munich at that time, you know, okay. we're going back about thirty years ago. So you actually you saw this one in Munich? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because no, most of the, it's funny because we talked about that on an earlier show. Most of the beer we get out here from another country is usually the beer, not necessarily the beer that you would find in that particular country. It's a beer that they kind of export mostly. So it's good to know that you can yeah. get it. Yeah, you can get it there. And Hacker Peshaw is one of the, the bigger brewery names. Okay. Okay. So, you know, equivalent of a Coors uh, or a Budweiser or a Molson or a Labatt, depending what side of the, the border you are on right. here in North America. But it is one of the bigger name breweries. Uh, there's the Hacker Peshaw, Spaten, Lowenbrau. Uh, okay. Are kind of the the bigger name and I've had, a, I've had a few spot in here and lo and bro, you can get those beers here too as well yeah and so those Anyhow, are you, those are kind of the the equivalent of of beer? again the bigger breweries so for myself this this week i went back to my hometown nice and so i went back to it's from the market brewing company out of Newmarket, ontario like i said my hometown and I had an IPA all lined up, ready to go for, for this week. I was really excited to be sharing kind of the one of their main IPAs with you. Right. Uh, but again, today being what it was, it's, uh, you know, we called it a, a dunkel kind of day. Yeah. The last uh, time was like the cold or rainy day. So I really couldn't go with an IPA. So this is their kitchen lunch cream ale. Yeah. So you can see it's a little bit clearer than an IPA. Yeah, I love a cream ale. A nice golden color. And if a cream ale is done nice, I love it. I had, uh, was it a few weeks ago, I had the Vimy cream ale out of Ottawa. Absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. it, it was a beautiful cream ale. Uh, when, I, and, when we talk about our cream ales here, I, it's not the same as, a, as an ale that I've had, you know, like in England or, or Ireland or something like that. It's not the same type of ale coming out you know, just above room temperature, not cold, cold, cold. Well, so and it, and the cream ales out. are not necessarily exactly like the, the regular ales you would get yeah. here as well. That's uh, right. For They're me growing up, my dad was, it was export ale. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if I could even stomach that. Export now, it, right? yeah. But no, there's a couple of uh, companies that make some really good cream ales. I'm thinking of uh, Sleeman's for one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, very much so. And I'm, you know, there's a nice floral bouquet to, to this, oh. a nice floral perfume. And so, cheers, buddy. Cheers. Okay. Oh, and but, well, before we have our first sip, I almost forgot again. Again, so thirsty this week. I almost forgot again. Grace before beer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race and grant through the invocation of thy holy name 
that whoever shall drink it may gain health and body and peace and soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cheers. Yes. First decipimus. Here's to the first sip. I wonder, do you see those? Are those province? What does Germany have? Do they have, what, what are their, what are their areas, regions? Not provinces. I can't remember what, they're not provinces. But that looks like, this was a neighbor brought this back from Germany a couple of years ago and he's got. Yeah, nice I can't, you know what? I can't remember the official name, but it would be the equivalent of provinces or states. It could be Stadt, states. We'll get a viewer, a listener to uh, chime in and let us know. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and again, each one would have its own special kind of beer. Mm. Uh, the one thing though with German beer is there isn't huge amounts of diversity as they, they go back to the Bavarian Purity Act. And I can't remember the date of it, but they, they can quote for you the Bavarian Purity Act that beer has to be brewed with only certain ingredients and in a certain kind of way, which then kind of limits the creativity that you can have. But at least you know what you're getting to. You're not going to, you're not going to sip something where you think, what the heck is this even a beer, right? You're getting good quality. Well, exactly. You're not going to get, um, like, for example, the Lambic beers out of Belgium. And I was listening to another podcast. They were talking about this. And the, the, the Lambic beers are open kettle brews. So when it's being brewed, the top of the kettle isn't sealed. And that's to allow natural yeast to fall into the beer, to, to alcohol, alcoholize the beer for, for brewing the beer. And yeah, sometimes the lambic can be a little bit off. And you think too, you're, you're brewing this great big vat of beer and you've got it open kind of to let nature take its course. Well, how do you know nature is going to take the course that you want it to take or, or yeah. that the product is going to be what you're looking for? It's like you have the potential to throw out a lot of beer. Exactly. exactly. And that, that would be a shame. No. So it's been a couple of weeks since we last chatted. Uh, we were kind of slated ready to go last week, but I know that you had a few things come up. And yeah, just to, um, you know, family things. My sister had a little operation, a back injury in, in Portugal where she summers. And my dad's been in the hospital. He's out now. You know, thank God he, he, he's out with some medication. He had pneumonia and shortness of breath. So he's back at home. So yeah, we, you know, these, uh, obviously these things come up, Robert, and then we just kind of have to reschedule and. Oh, and, and for sure. And I know when you first brought it up and you were feeling guilty that we were going to have to put things off and it's like, buddy, no, some things are just more important than a podcast. Right. Some things are more important than our, our daily jobs. Uh, there, there's so much of what we do for a living or so much of our interactions that is replaceable. Right. Absolutely. Right. But I just felt bad for our listener because, you know, he probably hangs on you for Monday morning for that next podcast to come out as you edit all weekend and uh, put it together. I, I have to say, if someone's waiting for Monday morning for this podcast to come out, I mean, thank you. Please drop a line. Yes. Yeah. Drop, drop us a line and let us know who you are so that we could have you on the show to share why it's so important to be waiting for the podcast to come out on, on Mondays or, you know, at the latest on Tuesday. Uh, 
But man, if your life revolves around waiting to listen to us, you uh, get out more. (laughs) You got to get out more than we do. Well, so I wanted to talk about, you know, talking about our, our listeners, you know, after our last podcast from a couple of weeks ago, where we talked about faith films mm-hmm. and craft ales, uh, we did get a little bit of feedback. And actually, the, the feedback came from the United Kingdom uh, through, through Facebook. And there were two other films that were suggested to us. Uh, and one of the gentlemen making the suggestions of films, he, he works within the, the film industry. In, over in England, wow. and I, I, I didn't quite exactly understand the connection, but he's part of an association of filmmakers or, or film critics. Uh, and so another film that he suggested adding to our list is called The King of Kings. And The King of Kings was a, a movie, obviously, about the life of Christ, about Jesus, the King of Kings, right. based on the Gospels. Uh, it was made in 1961, so it's okay. a, a little bit more in your age bracket, my friend. You know, so that's a little bit. Be- 61's a little bit before my time, but that would would have been not in my bloody age bracket. But you know what? I think I I ran across the King of Kings when I was looking up, you know, lists of 100 must see Catholic movies. To I'm sure I came have come across that. No, I haven't seen it, nor do I. Uh, you know, I haven't read any reviews on. Oh, and it's Cecil B. DeMille, and we didn't even know that. No, I didn't know that. And, and even oh. when I did a quick look, I didn't, I didn't notice. I didn't recognize any of the names of the actors and actresses, again, because it's a little bit before our time. But I did note that the film itself was narrated by Orson Welles as well, too. So that would, would just add a, a little bit to the, the drama of it all. Well, now, yeah. it's, it's uncredited narration. Uh, his name doesn't show up in the credits, but uh, he's there. And then I wonder where you could get that. I wonder where that could be. You could stream that today if, if you can't get a hold of a DVD or something. I'm sure that you can find it on one of the, the movie streaming sites, whether it's Netflix or Prime, uh, or maybe it's even available on YouTube. A lot of the classics, if you dig deep enough, you can find them on YouTube. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, free of charge. So that, that's one I'm interested in, in looking into over the course of the summer months when we have a little bit more time. Sure. And then the other one that was mentioned was St. Patrick, Apostle of Ireland. And there's a, when I went to look it up, there's a number of different movies titled St. Patrick, Apostle of Ireland. Uh, but this one was filmed at Ballantubber Abbey, and, which is in County Mayo, which I really don't know of. And you're the one who's traipsed around Ireland. And yeah, I have. I don't. I don't think I've been to Mayo per se, and I've been to a few counties. But but looking at oh, the the Abbey pictures, Abbey. it's it's yeah. very much a, a an Irish Abbey. The the grey stone and the slate uh, in the midst of the mountains and the the green meadows. So oh, it looks absolutely beautiful. So there's another one to to look up. Is you know Saint Patrick, Apostle of Ireland. But look for the one that was filmed at Ballantubber Abbey. So the whole movie is filmed in and around that abbey? That's my understanding. Okay. And do you have a year? Is this a recent movie? or? I had a hard time figuring out exactly which one, because when I looked it up, like I said, there's a number of, of St. Patrick Apostle of Ireland. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, and again, juggling between work and soccer games. Right. Uh, finding a couple minutes sometimes to to delve really deeply into to that um, is difficult. And that's the one thing too to, to mention. Kind of the podcast you mentioned a little bit earlier about as far as the editing. Uh, yeah, it does take me close to all weekend to make us sound intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there, there's the back end work that goes into, but there's the front end work too, where you know through the week we'll touch base multiple times through the week, more so when we're both in the building together. Yeah. But we, we uh, kind of what do we want to talk about this week? Bouncing ideas off of each other. Uh, and doing a little bit of research so no it's it's yeah it's that much better when we when we are together in the building but listen i just want to read some of these comments so like i'm really tempted to like one of these years get on facebook or myspace and see what you know what's out there because uh, i'm missing a lot of this social media stuff but wanted to talk about because we we have been talking about over a number of our, our episodes, the fact that our churches have been closed and then opened and then closed and then opened and then closed and then opened. And we were going to talk about last week, and maybe it's good that we had an extra week to, to talk about this. Uh, the fact that churches in our archdiocese, ch- churches in our province in Ontario, are now allowed to be open for services, are allowed to be open for Mass, yes. 15% capacity. Right. All right. Uh, which does limit things. But thanks be to God, they are open. Again, the Catholic churches have been open for, and they've allowed 10 people at a time in kind of for smaller communion services. But now we, we can return to Mass. Right. And when, when you say 15%, when, when I go to Mass, well, the first one was last Sunday when I saw the 15 I liken it to a weekday mass in terms of the crowd. It's very similar to the number. So lots of space, but at least you're getting that community feel again. And you're getting a, the mass as opposed to a 10-minute quick communion service as well. But now, see, and, and Robert, maybe explain as well to our listeners how it differs depending on the community. So I have to register every Sunday. or be, and, and, and I wanted to ask you about that. Did you get your tickets for mass legit? Or were you hitting a scalper up in the parking lot? Oh my God, I'm selling my tickets out in the parking lot. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're standing out in the church parking lot going, who needs tickets? Who needs tickets? Who's got tickets? You selling tickets? You, you know buying what? tickets? It's so funny. You're, you're, you're late on Monday registering for the following Sunday and the 5 p.m. Saturday's gone already. You know, you can't get that one. And Sunday first thing is gone. But you know what? When the pandemic hit, I was doing a lot of uh, Sunday evening masses, five and seven p.m. So you always get the five and seven p.m. There's always a few tickets available for that one. Now you don't. I was we, talking to a secretary at school today, uh, Joanne, and 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 she just has to come to the church, and it's first come first serve. That's similar to you. You don't have to register at your church. We, we don't have to register now. The notion of first come first serve, I don't know. And again, just knowing the the parish that our, our secretary is at is a larger parish as well. Right. It's a bigger I mean, parish. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a bigger parish. And so is, is there someone at the door with a, a clicker counting people as they come in and so, then you, you arrive for mass and someone's going to put their arm across the door and say, no, you can't come in. I know that. I think that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it is a recipe for disaster. It right. probably works out. Okay. During regular masses, but you know, heaven forbid if you had to do that for Christmas or Easter, any sort of, you know, yeah. day, right. Um, that could be difficult. 
Yeah. Now, and and that, again, ours, we don't have to register. I always say, you know, our limit is 15%. We're lucky if we get 15 people kind of at this time. And then I say that we're probably getting, like you said, it's more like a weekday mass. Right. right? Yeah, but you would still go over your 15% for sure, Robert. You would have in the past. Like We, we definitely would have in the past. Uh, things have changed again in the parish. Right. Right. But no, I, maybe it's around 15% or, or it's close enough that. You've never, you've never had people like not be allowed to attend mass on Sunday since, well, it's only been one week so far, but before that, when it was at 15%. Never. never I mean, there, wow. and again, I, I'm going to be a little bit careful with what I say, but uh, even with our previous pastor, they weren't counting at the door and that's maybe part of the reason why he's now our previous pastor. Right, right, right. Um, and so I'm just, and we'll just kind of leave that, that conversation yeah. there. Uh, part of me does rankle about having to register for mass. Uh, and I know some people are saying, well, that's because they're, they're compiling a list so that they can come and track you down when they make the faith illegal. And again, I think those, uh, the, the name for it is, uh, you know, Conspirituality, or like the the cons conspiracy and spirituality mixed together, and it's so odd because you're registering and you're putting your name, and then you click submit, and then it says you have tickets for mass. <laughs> you know, Ooh, I'm and don't forget to bring this confirmation to. It just seems so. I don't know. It's no. different. Definitely weird. When you're registering for mass, do you have to put in what your weekly envelope donation is going to be as well? No. And, you know, and maybe the number you put in for your donation is going to be indicative of whether you get in for mass or not. Or, and that's no. funny too. Because and, and, and I just say that I, I don't think any parish would do that. But. No, and, and and the collection has changed too as well. Probably in your chair uh, parish, they don't go around to each pew during uh, during the offertory. They actually have the. Um, baskets at the back of the church as you exit the church and then you yeah and and for us that's the same, same uh, again i just ignore is, the basket walk by pardon i just ignore the basket walk by what? i don't bother putting anything in you do your peg right your... yeah exactly i do the pre-authorized giving so we, yeah. we but you know. you know what i don't think there's many many transmissions of covid because of a a, a collection basket that's been sent around like that to me is is indicative of the whole you know, the whole, I don't know what they call it, a hygiene theater, you know, you can't, you know, let's wipe down every pew after. Well, nobody's getting COVID because of the, you no, know. But it, it, it just takes one. And mm -hmm. the other two, and I don't know if your parish, do they have the baskets on a stick? Well, then you're, you know, you're leaning in over someone, uh, the, the proximity. And again, just the multiple hands touching it. But that being said, do they put the envelopes and the money in quarantine for a couple of weeks before they count it and make the deposit? I don't know. No, but I think they wipe down every bill and coin with Lysol wipes before they. No, I'm joking. I don't well, stuff like that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, so I see a little bit after mass what goes into to sanitizing the church. Well, that but see that's the problem, and that was the article I was reading in the Atlantic. It's it they've they've coined the term um, hygiene theater. Mm -hmm. It's the whole wiping down. Nobody's getting COVID. People are getting COVID because they're going without masks. They're not physically distances. They're not vaccinated. They're aerosol spread of the COVID uh, virus between people who are too close. That's it. It's not going, it's contact surfaces. It's been proven. It's just not transmitting through that. M minimal yeah, to, to, to none. Oh, no, and, I, I, and I've read the same. 
what it what it, it is it's it's become a psychological comfort for people to say hey listen that's getting wiped down i feel good about going into that particular you know um yeah. church or restaurant or something because they're wiping down even though the chances of getting that are almost non-existence through any contact surfacing and, and and i can understand that and so i have one more question for you on the the topic of you know tickets for mass mm-hmm. Because again, we don't have that at our parish. You have the the registration or, or tickets from us. Is it assigned seating? So when you get your mass tickets, does it tell you, you know, section A, row 12 seats one through five or? Yeah, no, it's just every other, like yours, probably every other pew is blocked off. And as you mm-hmm. walk in, you know, if I walk in, in, you know, by myself or with, you know, one of my kids or I just, you know, you give them a little two, three, and then they, and then the usher will come and greet you, and then they'll find a spot for two, three, or four, and they'll put you in. Okay, a, okay. Yeah. And and I and I asked that because I've seen happen too in a parish where they were trying to do assigned seating. It was actually there for a funeral, and they that's too difficult. And and they tried to do assigned seating, and they asked, you know, a family member of the deceased oh. to you know assign people places to to sit and here and there. But you can't do that to, you know, 80 and 90 year olds. They're just going to go in and sit wherever. Right. Well, that was my concern as well, though, Robert, the fact that our 80 and 90 year olds able to register. Now they can call in the parish and they'll put their names down. So I think many of them do that that way, because a lot of them obviously aren't, you know, that adept at emails and and, and computers at that age. A lot are, of course, but some of them have that technology. So I was wondering, but it seems to have worked out well because they can call in and they will be put down. But no, and, no, and I think any pastor worth their salt would know who their parishioners are and know the ones that would have that kind of difficulty and would almost be proactive and getting in touch with them to, to make sure that they were. And again, I, I don't, I don't. How, it depends how big the parish is. Now, if you've got a large parish and we're losing our assistant pastor next week, he's moving on and we won't get another assistant for a couple of months, I believe till about August. So that's a difficult, that could be a big, uh, but you, you can assign, you can assign that to somebody as well, because that can all be done over the phone. Yes, I know. Yeah. With the secretary, obviously every church is a secretary. Because but, I mean, our, our current pastor said to us, you know, kind of technically you're supposed to register for mass, but, and when I asked him about, do I have to, to email you or call in every week? He says, no, no, you're on the list for every week because, you know, I find, Catholics come to the same mass week in and week out and they sit in the same seat week in and week out. So he's like, there's, there's no reason for you to worry. And he said too, kind of we're, we're within our limits anyways. So we're all good. But I, I just coming back to the assigned seating, I remember uh, the, the pastor trying to organize these assigned seatings for the beginning of this funeral. And he's got this list and a map and that, and he, after five minutes of trying to move people around, his where he they're supposed to be sitting and he finally just threw up his hands and kind of said you know you can sit wherever and people are going to be good they're not Mm -hmm. i'm not going to go snuggle up to a stranger in the pew i'm going to make sure if i don't know you well actually i do know you and i'm going to make sure that there's even more than the six feet between you and i sir right but but if i don't know you i'm not gonna go squeeze in beside you i will make sure that there is that buffer zone Right. And everybody was wearing a mask, right, too. So yeah. that, yeah. So, I mean, as, as if you're in a closed space, that's what you need to do right now, right? Until we get some, you know, we get herd vaccinations, mm-hmm. herd immunity. 
So I wanted to ask you another question. And again, with this, all this back to, to Mass, there were a few questions, you know, not just about registering and if you're, you're scalping your tickets or, you know, if you're able to get in or not. But while the churches were closed, you know, what did you miss? And you, you mentioned that you're, you're going now from a 10-minute communion service to a, a proper Mass. I mean, for us, we didn't really miss much for that because... Yeah. For the communion service, actually, Father was offering a dry mass. You know, all the readings were there. He gave a homily. He distributed communion. The only thing missing were the, the prayers of consecration. Wow. Right. Uh, and so I would say for me, that was what I missed. I missed the consecration because it's at the moment of consecration that I feel yeah. closest to our Lord. Uh, I'm in the deepest moment of prayer. I'm offering my own heart on the altar with the, the bread and wine. Uh, so that's kind of what I missed. But, but what did you miss from mass you know what even though it's funny um the sign of peace no i didn't really miss that we um, you, 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 you flashed that your, your v around to everyone you, yeah. you heard me sing robert it's not but i miss singing like we still like, we don't miss you singing i can tell yeah, you that, my just, you know and, I, and even to this day i start to sing and they're like you you can't sing anymore which i don't understand why we can't sing but um i do miss the you know uh, the community aspect, the fact that, you know, mm -hmm. see each other, we could be close to other people. We saw familiar faces that we worshiped with for the same church for now you're new to your church, but 20 years I've been seeing over 20 years, I've been seeing the same faces. We've seen some people pass away and stuff. And I, I miss going up to those, you know, a couple of people I know in particular lost their spouses and, you know, offering my uh, condolences, uh, not being able to do that. But as far as the mass itself, just the, just the beauty of the mass, the whole mass. I find those mm -hmm. 10 minute communion service, you know, you're a little bit short changed on a number of things like that you weren't getting within the full mass. We had a full mass last week and it was nice to have a full 50, 55 minutes. Now you mentioned music in there. Right. Do you have an, an organist and a cantor still we, playing right we now? Do. We do. Okay. Cause we don't even have that. So, what? uh, it's very, very quiet. I, I love silence. Yeah. I, I love sometimes more at a weekday mass on a Sunday. I, I love the beauty of the music. I do. And now, now, we might agree a little bit. Like, do I need every amen being sung and chanted? Pro probably not. Do I need music all the, you know, for all sorts of, you know, almost overplayed. Sometimes I feel a little bit, but we can talk about that, but I can't believe you don't have any music. No, there, there's no, there's no music. Father will will lead an entrance hymn, right? And again, we're so few and we're so spread out. You know, a few people will start chiming in. Uh, again, like, like yourself, I've been told not to sing. Yeah. So I'm, I'll stay fairly quiet for that. Um, and then he'll also sing a recessional hymn. Uh, Father will sing everything. He'll sing the offertory. <laughs> he'll sing the recessional, the processional. He'll sing everything. I know, Father. But. You know what though that that is missed, and yeah, I, I love music being a part of the mass. But again, there there's room for personal opinion or room for personal indulgence, I guess, of, of the music, yeah. of this of the style of music. The style of what type of music? Yes, yeah, I, I love big, full organ music, uh, and, and I love chant, right? plain song. I'm not one for the music that came out of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, and, I, and I'm not one for liturgical guitar. 
liturgical guitar for me is like nails on a chalkboard. Right. I like a little drums and music though, in mass though. I don't get that many. No, I haven't seen. You know what? I the, the big drums in the liturgical music, I think was it was a kid growing up in Toronto in the 1970s. There was a phase there where there was a lot of that going on and stuff like that. Now we get it's your, still there in some parishes. Right. No, we don't get that. We get we have an older choir, then we've got a Filipino kind of choir, and we got a children's choir. So it runs the whole gamut, but yeah, we don't get much in the way of, you know, tradition. It'd be nice to have a mass with some more traditional music type thing, but no, I don't think we don't get that at our parish at all. Yeah. And I think in a, a number of parishes, and again, a pastor that is is worth his vestments, because over the weekend there's usually three or four different masses, each right. one will have its own different style. Right. And we'll we'll play to a certain kind of congregation. Right. right? Yep. We have and, six masses now. Over the weekend, yeah. And that's more for more for numbers. You know, all things created equal. When you're not having to register and you're at 100% capacity, you you would have four masses at well, your we parish. We still have six. You would still have six. Yeah, they brought in the 7 p.m. Sunday. There would be at least five. You know, your Saturday night, your three Sunday mornings, and then your 5 p.m. Sunday. But it, they brought in this. I think they brought in the 7 p.m. before your priest brought that in when he was at our parish. Father Keith, he brought that in before he left, before COVID. So I don't know if they're going to keep that on. I don't think they are. I think you're right. I think they will drop that because I don't think the five and seven, you know, are half full. So they could probably condense it into one. But I, I love that. The fact that, okay, you know, I'm so busy. I, I couldn't make mass. You know, we hear that excuse all the time. Listen, you've got a 5 p.m. Saturday, three morning Sundays, five and a 7 p.m. Unless you're working 12-hour shifts on Saturday and Sunday, which my wife often is. You, you can make that, correct? But your, your wife gets dispensation because she's a healthcare worker. She's that's a nurse in the hospital. So there's a special dispensation for that. <laughs> but but I always call like the seven o'clock Sunday evening mass. I always call that the last chance mass. Last chance, yeah. It used to be the five, now it's seven. So it's great. You know, you're away for the weekend maybe. You get back, you get back there for seven and get your mass. You, you, you peel into the parking lot on two wheels and you, fo you follow father in as he's starting the processional and, and away you Perfect. go. Perfect. And away you go after communion. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> Get out of there but what, what did what mass? didn't you miss with what mass oh, what didn't what, didn't what, what, what are things from mass that you know would normally drive you crazy that you know as we weren't going to church or we were watching oh, live streams i think the reading of the the bulletin really the reading of all the parish announcements which still i think every priest says that though i don't think that's limited to a parish you know, I just grab a bulletin. We don't need, you know what I mean? No, oh, yeah. Clapping in mass, the applause, thanking this person and that person. I mean, it's great. I mean, without the volunteers at mass, you know that, Robert. You're you're one of the mainstays at your church. We we couldn't run the mass, but I don't think people need applause. I certainly wouldn't no. want applause. No, and someone will have to correct me on this, but I believe it was Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. That said, and it's I'm pretty sure it's in his spirit of the liturgy that there's no need for applause in mass. Yeah, and I it, saw that that was hanging up in a parish in Pickering, just adjacent to to our town here, and it was it was right at the back about applause in mass, and it was perfect. Yeah, but everybody's and, getting applause. Like, I mean, you have a little speaker at the end of mass for two or three minutes. Let's, you know, welcome. You know, unless a priest is leaving, I can yeah. see the applause there. But other than that. 
No, there, there, there is no need. And the reason why it said that there is no need for that is because when you're doing that is what you're doing is you're, you're prioritizing human achievement over the divine. Right. And you're taking away from the beauty of the mass. itself. You're taking away from the beauty of the mass itself. And I know our former parish where we were for about 20 years, our first pastor there, that was him at the end of mass and God rest his soul. He's since passed away. But at the end of mass, he would thank everyone, like the altar servers by name. He would thank the readers by name. He would thank the musicians by name. I, if it wouldn't take us right through the whole day, he probably would have thanked everyone individually in the congregation. And don't tell me people were clapping through all. And, and, and after each name, people are clapping. The new pastor comes in and he's like, no, that can't happen anymore. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, you could, you could thank them certainly, but there's no need to, to applaud every single time. I remember there was a mass a couple of months ago and they were like, three different applauses at the end of the mass. I'm like, well, why do we keep clapping for it? And I don't miss a certain choir and, you know, children's choir and there's a little bit of shrieking in the music. And maybe that's me because I'm just getting old and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think, um, I think there's, I think when you don't have the mass, you realize just how much you miss the full extent of the mass. And watching it on computer, as we've done, both yourself and myself over mm -hmm. the last 15 years, mm -hmm. just the same thing. Yeah. It isn't. So kind of moving from that then to what are you hoping that, that will be different? And we, we kind of touched on that with what we didn't miss. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm always looking for an increased sense of sacredness, mm. which again comes into, we were talking about, you know, get rid of the clapping. It's, it's not a concert. Yeah, or or the you know the talking before mass and the talking after mass in the church proper, right? I mean that mm -hmm. that is sacrosanct that area, and if you want to talk, you go out to the narthex or out in the parking lot and stuff. That I would like to see end. You know the the um, the conversation, the, 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 the social aspect that goes yeah. on in in. The I don't think you're going to see what you said though, Robert. I the sacredness. I'd like to think that, but I just think. Today's day and age with social media and stuff, you know, people, I don't know. I, I, I hope you're right, but do you see that less and less so? I mean, in the 20 years that you've been going to your I, parish. I, I think there you're, you're kind of talking about two different things in that you're kind of looking at, you know, in society in general, is there less etiquette in society in general? Do, do people right. not have the same... Uh, intuitiveness when it comes to manners right 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 in a restaurant when conversing with others and again because you say with social media and with phones we're we're having less and less practice communicating with other people and so that's spilling over into our social interactions yeah, and then you take that to that next step when it goes into the church mm -hmm. And so there's just that that lack of social awareness, that lack of etiquette awareness, right? And I now you had more of a traditional mass at your uh, your church there, you know, in the previous years before the new pastor came in, and you would have seen a lot more of that sacredness. Yeah, and sacredness. and it, and it was a culture shock when we first went in. Huh. There was a culture shock, and we were even coming from a, a fairly conservative liturgical yeah. parish um, it was still a culture shock. but it was still a culture shock huh. 
but I love the smell of incense on Sunday morning. Yeah, I miss the incense. I got it there a couple of months ago and it was nice for a change. You just, you don't get that as much anymore, do you? Yeah, and so, and the incensing of the altar at the beginning of Mass and the incensing of the gospel before the reading of the gospel and the incensing of the gifts before the consecration, right? And just that it creates a sense of awe and wonder. Yeah, right? specialness that this is, you know, the gospel special, this is special, the altar special. So why they don't incense me because I'm special, I really don't oh, know. But we should be incensing ourselves before this, before we go off on the show. There, there we go. I, I wonder if there's a way to get incense to go out through the, the airwaves on the podcast. Listeners, we need incense. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And, and then one other thing I would like to see and in in a way and i don't think it can happen right away right away but once we're basically back to a hundred percent capacity in the churches is i think the local parishes need to stop live streaming their mass yeah that's an excellent point Robert. Right? Because- i think people like you say people are getting lazier and lazier and less likely to go to mass and now you're just giving them one more reason not to go to mass. I'll just watch it online. Same thing. No, it's not. No, it's, it's I, not. I, I think the mass online is a great idea or on TV, Robert, as you know, for shut-ins, for the sick, for people like my father, maybe. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. But you need to get the mass. Otherwise, if you're able-bodied. Absolutely. And, and again, the notion of mass for shut-ins, I like what you say. It needs to be on TV because that generation, again, you're looking at people in their, their late 70s, 80s, 90s, and they can't get out of the house. You know, can you expect them to live stream something on the computer without help? What? No. Turn and on a television all- and click right. the channel remote to get the right channel. Yeah, they can do that. Yeah, they can do that. And that's always been there. And that's been a blessing for many people who can't get out to mass. But and, and you know what, when you can't get out to mass, when you do it on live stream or as we've been doing it for many months, I just love that little prayer. And I don't know, recall it at communion time where uh, at first Cardinal Collins had it. And then um, we've now introduced it for the past few months when we weren't able to go to mass about not being able to receive the Lord now. Right. The, the prayer for spiritual it. communion, which. Yes. 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 Again, I still say every week because I, I'm still for my own reasons i think that'll be a topic of discussion another day i'm still not receiving communion but i I will pray the prayer of spiritual communion my jesus i believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament i love you above all things and i desire to receive you into my soul since i cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally come at least spiritually into my heart i embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you never permit me to be separated from you Amen. Amen. And beautiful prayer. And the church has got beautiful prayers for every. And I think that's a great prayer to have if you're not receiving communion. And I think that's and a great prayer. Almost saying, to- Robert, the prayer that we're saying after communion, you mentioned it quite a while ago about uh, you know how every parish was saying it, and I don't remember until the last little while that was the prayer prayer to Saint Michael at the end of Mass, which is supposed at to be said of, at yep. the end of Mass Absolutely. across the globe. Yep. Yep. I didn't know that. We weren't saying that. I mean, it's only within the last couple of years that we've started saying that um, 
at the end of every Mass. I think five to seven years ago, our Archbishop, Cardinal Collins, uh, stipulated and asked that the parishes within the Archdiocese of Toronto start saying that at the end of Mass again. Okay. And again, the patron saint of the Archdiocese of Toronto is St. Michael the Archangel. Right. At St. Michael's Cathedral, I went to St. Mike's High School, so I learned that prayer. Took, I'm starting to get it back. Learned that prayer 35-odd years ago, but it yeah, is yeah. a beautiful I love that prayer. It, it, it is. It is. And so we've talked about the last little while about adding a, a new segment to the end to finish off with a, a new segment called Yes or No. So where we'll kind of look at a question uh, that many times we've already discussed ourselves ad nauseum, at length, uh, a question of the faith, a question of more of praxis, a, que a question of the way we practice our, our faith. Right. And so the question that I wanted to ask you, and again, I know we are on kind of opposite sides of this coin, but do you eat meat or should we eat meat on Fridays outside of Lent? Well, I think, first of all, we both agree, you know, through Good Friday, Ash Wednesday, Fridays in Lent, you know, absolutely refrain from meat, right? Yeah. But wow. That, and that's why I say outside of Lent. Outside of Lent. So having said that, if we were talking 60, 70 years ago, I would I agree with you. And certainly most Catholics would have played into that, certainly would have accepted that rule. But now that we're allowed to replace that. I, again, you probably will mention too, Robert, that it hasn't been replaced. You know, it's still there. But if you could do a good deed or some other sort of spiritual act, I think that um, you could eat meat on Fridays outside of Lent. And I certainly do. Yeah. And well, I, I, I know that the conference, uh, the, the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops has mm -hmm. come out and said that if you replace, like you say, with a good deed or another act of penance, Right. Then you, you can eat meat on Fridays. This would have been perfect to talk about last week when we had mm -hmm. intended to get together last Friday because it was the solemnity of the Sacred Heart. And on a solemnity, you can eat meat. Right. Even in Lent, you can eat meat okay. on a, on yep. a Friday if it's a, if it's a solemnity. That's why when uh, March 25th, the solemnity of the Annunciation lands on a Friday in Lent, it's like a, a giant party because you can have your T-bone steak in, on a Friday in Lent. That's great. Uh, and I just look at, and, and I understand what's being said, and I understand what you're saying as far as that you, know, you can do a good deed or another act of penance to replace the not eating meat on Friday. I look at that as, in my own mind, and again, this is my own personal interpretation, my own personal opinion. It has nothing right. to do with any official church teaching. But in my mind, uh, you're loophole chasing when you start mm. doing that and you start and, and you're starting to justify your actions. And I had actually someone call me on looking to the faith to justify my actions uh, a few weeks ago mm. as uh, I was giving a seminar and we were talking and I was sharing and it was a day it was, it was stinking hot out. I remember that it was hot and humid. It was like 25, 30 degrees and humid. So it felt like 30, 35 degrees out. And someone made a comment that they, you know, it wasn't a day to be going out running and they'd seen someone out for a jog in the middle of this, this May heat wave. And I said, well, you know what? I don't jog. I don't go running. And the reason why I don't run for exercise is this is Proverbs 
28.1. Only the wicked run when no one is chasing them. And, and I came out with that and everyone has their, their little chuckle, you know, and we, and we have a couple of colleagues who are runners and I'll bring that up to them as well. You can even get a t-shirt made with that. So I'm going to get you this t-shirt, you know, only the wicked run when no one is chasing them. And this guy called me and I says, you're just justifying not staying in shape. He didn't get your sense of humor, I guess. Eh? Oh no, he got it. He thought it was funny, but he was okay, also okay. saying, you know, kind of tongue in cheek back. It sounds like you're, you're looking for a little bit of justification. A little bit of justification. But the thing is, I'm, I don't necessarily look go looking for meat on Fridays. It's just so difficult to, you know, plan, you know, and Lent, you know, if the Friday is here, okay, I got to plan my meals. Otherwise, you're just eating what's there. And for most part, yeah, I get it. You've got to make that effort on Fridays. But 52 days of the year, I'm wondering if all priests do. Do you think all priests actually refrain from, do you think all priests I doubt I, I, I would hope so. I'm just putting that out there, but I'm wondering if that's a hard and fast rule for them now. Now they're doing all sorts of good deeds too, right? Don't forget in yeah, acts yeah. of penance. So they could easily excuse that. But I'm wondering, I would be interested to put that out there. Maybe we'll ask, if we do have a priest on the show um, in the near future, maybe we'll ask that if that's if that's a regular thing in the seminary or with priests and religious, if they do refrain from meat on Fridays mm-hmm. outside of Lent. Now, I need to ask you, is your act of penance so that you can eat meat later today for dinner talking with me? My, my act of penance is seeing you on a regular basis. I get to meet meat not only outside of Lent, but inside of Lent as well. There, there. <laughs> Am I even thinking of meat today? I don't even know what's for dinner, but I guess it's probably some meat. Now you got me thinking. And don't get me wrong. I love fish. So when we do oh, have the- fish in Lent on Fridays... And it's not, it's not a penance. <laughs> no, it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, but I just, I don't know why I should have more fish. You know what? And the thing is too, Robert, I need to get rid of a lot of meat. I have too much meat in my diet. So having, you know, having that one day a week, you know, in this case of Friday, it wouldn't be a bad thing to refrain from meat, correct? And, and you were saying about as far as scheduling it and remembering to, to schedule, you know, okay, it's easy to do in Lent because you know, it's Friday in Lent. You're not, you can plan your meal for yeah friday comes every seven days pal no yeah once a week friday is gonna show up i'm pretty sure you can plan for that day and it's not like it's and you know what you're so right though too robert in the sense that still probably gonna eat meat but you're right in the sense that meal plan like me there's so many good dishes there's so many great vegetarian dishes non-meat dishes you know burgers that taste like meat so you really don't have an excuse. You know, if you want to find alternative meat dishes, they're out there. Oh, yeah. Just to kind of finish off here as we come to the end of our time uh, together today, uh, again, from Dom Lorenzo in his Spiritual Combat, uh, he talks about as far as avoiding temptation and, and you know, keeping ourselves away from temptation. So he writes, before the time of temptation, we must avoid all persons and occasions that would expose us to sin. So I believe then this is probably the last episode of the Pints and Pews podcast because I can't talk to you anymore. (laughs) So before the time of temptation, we must avoid all persons and occasions that would expose us to sin. If it is necessary that we speak to such people, 
then we need to do so as speedily as possible. Speak only on serious subjects with corresponding modesty and gravity. We must not permit the conversation to become familiar or frivolous. So that really does put an end to the podcast, doesn't it? Mm. But yeah, I think that's, we, we, we need to be cognizant of who we are, the makeup of our conscience uh, right. and our weaknesses. And so not put ourselves into the, those places of sin or the near occasion to sin. Near occasion to sin, absolutely. Right. And so speaking about not speaking with those that are going to, to bring us into uh, danger of perdition, maybe uh, it's time that we put a halt to the proceedings for this week. Right. You know, it's been great chatting. And I know that we'll, we'll chat off and on through the weekend and through the week. Uh, the beer has been nice. So again, you were having the, the Hacker Bashore Vice beer. Yes. It's all gone now. But. It's, it's all gone. And I'm just about finished my kitchen lunch cream ale from the, the market brewing. Uh, very, very enjoyable. Uh, the beer has been enjoyable. The conversation has been enjoyable. So hopefully our listeners have enjoyed a pint as well, as long as they weren't driving. Hopefully our listeners will, you know, get something from, from our conversation and yeah, would love it if they were to touch base and drop a line and let us know what their experiences have been in getting back to Mass. And also to suggest some of their favorite beers, because I would love to, to branch out and try some, some of the beers that our, our listeners enjoy. For sure. If we can find it, which we can, we've got, um, you know, the LCBO outlet downtown Toronto and they've got a wide selection of beer. So if we can't get in our local, we could probably find that beer. It would be nice to. Absolutely. We've got it. That's our that's one of the upcoming episodes. You know, I would ask our listeners just to take a couple minutes. Give us a like on Facebook. Give us a rating on the podcast, whichever platform you listen to the podcast. Give us a rating. Drop a comment. That you know, will help make us a little bit more visible to the rest of the world. So, no, it's been great chatting. And if they have any, certainly, if they have any, um, you know, podcast suggestions, what they'd like to hear us talk about, we'd be open to that. Certainly, we can entertain the ideas. We can't promise that we would, you know, talk about everything that they wanted, but certainly we might look into it if it's something that would be of interest to, we think would be of interest to other listeners for sure. Yeah, and we have gotten a couple of those suggestions uh, on Facebook. So stuff is in the works. Stuff yeah. is in the works. Buddy, it's been great chatting. Until until next time, Robert. We will we will chat again shortly. God, God willing. So have a good night, buddy. And you have a great weekend. All right. God bless.